Welcome to In the Cockpit, the monthly show where we discuss topics and things and whatnot. Yeah, that interstitial content that we do where we do the talky stuff at the mic things for the audio program that doesn't like to record it anymore. It's almost like the update to Audacity made it more of a virus than an actual program. Honestly, it feels like the fucking update hates running on my computer. Yeah, and also- And actively try to crash everything also it's loaded with bloatware Mm -hmm. spies on you i hate it i hate it it pisses me off but i also know how to use it and i haven't found a good functional other free fucking audio recording software that i like yeah yeah so instead i just rolled back audacity to an older fucking version yep but anyways like i said this is the show where we bring topics to the table to talk about my topic is i hate audacity that's not a topic yes that's it is. very meta cool it's still a topic topics can be meta no they can't well there goes my other topic which was to talk about meta facebook's is meta but whatever whatever <laughs> fuck you isn't meta dead or dying i can't talk about it i'm not allowed to apparently it's okay. I also didn't bring any topics to the table. Not really, at least. Yeah? Yeah, I mean, we could talk about Pierce Lavelle's new album. Jaws of Life, their, uh, yeah, their first album in, like, what, seven years? Seven years. Last album was 2016, Misadventures. Mm-hmm. It was all right. This is the last album they did with their original drummer, Mike. Yeah. Uh, Who is and- no longer the band for very, very good reasons. Yeah, and I think him leaving the band has drastically shifted their tone. Yeah, I would say so. But also, I don't know if it's just him leaving the band or if it's the fact that they've been gone for seven years. I have no idea. He's like, counting the, the band starting with their first album to their last album, that was mm-hmm. nine years. Yeah. There's almost been as much time between their first album and fourth album as there has between their fourth album and fifth album. Yeah, it's weird. Like, before they were very much a kind of... They were definitively a post-hardcore band. Yeah, or even at times bordering a more pop-punk vibe. Yeah, they had very pop-punk vibes, Mm -hmm. that's true. And now it's like a post-grunge revival, almost, doing like a punk-core kind of vibe. Yeah. A post-hardcore vibe. There's a lot of like grunge aesthetics on this new album. Mm Mm-hmm. I think I nailed down what a lot of that was during my second full re-listen. Yeah. Which, a lot of that is that instead of vocals being on top of the music that is very common mm-hmm. in, in like all music today not just yeah not just metalcore like but like in pop and country and everything they're letting it sit with the instrumentation not necessarily under it but like it also lets them do this cool thing in some songs like emergency contact yeah where the instruments just fall away mm-hmm. and it's just his voice for a couple yeah. seconds and it there's not a lot of heavy augmentation to the voice at all either mm-hmm. like we're not putting it through any filters which filters aren't bad when you're listening to shit no matter what someone says yeah sure you can over auto-tune something but like auto-tuning something's fine it helps adjust a pitch bit it can add a bit of a layer to a sound that you really really want to i like that you really want to hear you really want to have like in there look filters digital correction all of this are just evolutions of tools that have been being used in music for over 400 years when beethoven wrote moonlit sonata the way pedals worked on pianos yeah were so different than how they work now mm-hmm. that you cannot actively play moonlits hit the moonlit sonata on a modern piano correctly it's impossible because the changes of technology but like we've made fucking mutes for like every fucking wind instrument because we want to change the way that sounds it's just an evolution in technology that's all it is yeah like if you have a but my biggest issue is you hear so many but like metalcore or metal fans or rock fans who have problems with fucking filters and i'm just like bro do you do you know what gives the crunchy sound of that guitar it's a fucking pedal and pedals are just distortion (laughs) 
I think there's a reasonable argument that you should be able to perform your music live if you're a touring musician. Yes. But like, I'm not saying you shouldn't be able to perform without computers mm-hmm. or anything. Like, yeah. If you have to bring a laptop and run a digital thing, do it. But I think they're like, if you're a touring artist, you should be able to perform music live. Yeah. Like, hey, yes, you should be able to play that instrumental section there, like the chords, the notes for it. Do I expect it to sound exactly the same if we're not running through all the pedals and all the filters? No. Do I think you should be able to sing the song? Yes. Do I think you have to sound exactly the same as you do on album? No. That is a, a ridiculous expectation. But I think we were very close to a, t- a conversation about how Pierce the Ville have shifted in sound. Yes. Because they were post-hardcore pop punk, depending on yeah. how you want to label it. Those two labels feel very similar to me a lot of the time. Most labels do, because genres are made up. Categorizations. <laughs> exactly. And in the case of like some genres, the window of what we categorize as that genre genre shifts over time and it shifts so rapidly or doesn't shift at all which is weird because like as a thing i think looking at things from a metalcore or post-hardcore community mm-hmm. or even a rock community we've we see these big changes we see these like big categorizations or what we would consider big mm-hmm. but then if we look at like what i'm gonna call radio station genres so like country and pop those ones move a lot like you have a big transition between like what was country in the late 90s to what's country now yeah as a kid who had to ride a school bus and live yeah. in the middle of nowhere i listened to country music on a near daily basis for about mm-hmm. seven years of my life yeah and the country music that was country music when i was in middle school is not like the style of country music you hear on the radio nowadays. Yeah. Because what you hear on radio, the radio nowadays would have been called Southern Rock mm-hmm. 15 years ago. Yeah. So, but my, my big point here, though, is rock as a radio station genre. Yes. Has not changed. Oh, yes, it has. No, no, no. As a radio station genre, it has barely changed. It is the same bands that you have from the 70s and the 80s. Mm, that the umbrella's gotten bigger. Because, hear me out here, My in my brain, the best example I have for you is Electrolyte Orchestra. They are not a rock band in their time. Mm-hmm. They were a disco band. Mm-hmm. They now get class- classified as rock or classic rock. Yeah, but not a lot. My point is, as far as radio station genres go, rock has hardly changed. Okay, yeah. But, it's, a, it's the same as it was 40 years ago. Yes, but if you look at the subcategorization of all of these things, the ones that the like really into it fans give it, country doesn't really do that. Pop doesn't really do that. Because pop is just like, well, well it's popular. Pop is a very dumb genre. Pop is a brilliant genre. Pop is a genre designed to change. Yes, which is what makes it very, very different. But like, if you look at the rock genre, and you mm-hmm. look at people that are really, really into it, you have like the rock from the 80s, and people recognize that as rock. Yes. But then you have all these little subcategorizations that, to me, it's weird that a subsection of music that likes to identify itself with a group of people so heavily against the idea of being grouped and classified and identified is the group that groups, classifies, and identifies itself so much more than any of these other genres out there. Well, I think... Which I think part of it is the looking for a way to other yourself from something else. Exactly. I was just saying, part of it is 100% that, like, as maybe not, maybe less so today, but there has been a history in the rock and metal communities of being othered by society already. Yes. And then when you have other people getting into it, you that you don't identify with, you need another way to do that. Yeah. And so there's a hundred subgenres from stuff like thrash and doom and um, sludge Slug. to like metalcore, post-hardcore, progressive, progressive thrash. Yeah. Like death, melodic, black. 
and you're and post grunge punk and that and that like, how punk celtic punk and that leads to a like gatekeepingness in oh, the metal yeah. community like it's wild there's a joke among larger like the larger scale of metal fans where like people are like oh don't go to this show because mm-hmm. their fans are so gatekeepy yeah. but at the same time i've heard so many people be like oh that's not real metal da, 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 da. yeah it's like, crazy i i went to mayhem one year mm-hmm I think you went. I don't remember. I know think it was maybe. Me, I know it was me, Justin, and Matt. I don't. I honestly don't remember, man. Okay, so we went to Mayhem one year, and main stage at the end of the night was, and I think this this is the order because we were all really upset. That, yeah. No, I didn't go to this. So one. it was Trivium opened on the main stage. Mm-hmm. Followed by Asking Alexandria, followed by Corn, yeah, followed by Avenged Sevenfold, and we were upset at the order because Trivium is definitively a stronger band than Asking Alexandria. I would say so, yeah, definitely. And it's even more upsetting because this is this was when Asking Alexandria was in the height of their drug and alcohol abuse problems. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And Danny couldn't like when walk you, on yeah, stage. Yeah, you could not get a performance out of them. Yeah, they were terrible. So like, it felt really bad that Trivium went on before them. But I digress. The point I was leading to is Matt Shadows, lead singer of Avenged Sevenfold, came on stage and about halfway through his set, he stopped what he was doing. He's like, I see the crowd's really thinned out since Korn performed. Yeah. I get it. People say we're not metal enough to headline this festival, which is a ridiculous statement. Yeah. But it's also a statement I literally heard people say in the crowd. So many times. Yeah. It's crazy. And he's like, well, that's okay. They're right. We're not. This next song is about uh, sex, violence, murder, sex after death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Little piece of heaven. It was a little piece of heaven. Which is a masterful song, but is definitely not like classically metal. No, but it's a wonderful song. Yeah. My point is though, like, it was so much of a joke that like the vocalist of the headlining band of one of the biggest metal festivals, touring festivals in the United States was making yeah. jokes about it. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird and I there's a lot of big problems with the genre and gatekeeping, especially in communities like that. And honestly, it's annoying, but uh, it's, it's really just the reason why I don't really like trying to label something as a genre. One, because it always feels like I'm slightly off whatever I'm trying to genre. I I hate when people are like, oh, well, what genre are they? And I'm like, uh, I can get good is good a genre. Yeah. Like if you want something besides genre, can you be like, what are like some influences? What are some bands or sounds that are similar to or like some influences? And I'll be like, that's even a problem for me sometimes. Because who do I tell people 12 foot ninjas? like but i'm like hey you should check out 12 foot ninja where do i go they sound a lot like blank because yeah i know that's why you look at a bunch of different influences and mention it and even then like it can be weird but i prefer that over just trying to give you a genre most of the time yeah but even then it can still be hard obviously well like it's also i feel like and i'm not i'm not a very specific microcosm of this i feel like a lot of fans of alternative music metal rock poster Mm -hmm. all this stuff like a large section of the music yes they're like they're not super genre specific fans like some people are super are like fans of prog music yeah to to the end of the earth they love gent they love prog they love mathcore all that stuff is theirs but like even then i feel like they'll branch out so when i say something like i've been to like one night i saw ice nine kills perform a cover of an adele song that made me cry yeah and the next night i was getting punched in the mouth listening to black dolly and murder live like that's not that big of a jump in yeah, my mind like, like they're very different musically but they're both metal bands mm-hmm. yeah it's a weird thing but like ah uh, i don't know i don't know if i have anywhere else to take this topic at this point it was just me kind of complaining about genre as an ideal well but also recognizing why it does show up or on the topic of music genres oh we- i also don't like film genres or video game genres a lot either
I think video they're more useful in film. I dislike them more in video games. I think in video games, genres are incredibly useful to a certain extent. Yeah, I mean, is I can tell you blanketly, I do not like most first-person shooter video games. Mm-hmm. And that's a that's a fine blanket statement. Yeah, I can't say that about a, just about any music genre. I can't look at any music genre and be like, I don't like the majority of this genre, except for a lot of like modern radio country music. There's good mm-hmm. country music out there. It's just not the what's wrong with America today music that's currently being played. Yeah, but I mean that's you've just said you can't do that but you literally did just do that for one genre yeah you also did that for one genre of video games Mm, no i can also be like i hate platformers god damn do i hate platformers except you don't i've seen you play multiple platformers that you enjoy you just hate the idea of a platformer with a passion yeah but then i'll watch you play them and you enjoy them so you're wrong you'd have arbitrary things you've decided that you then test and prove wrong repeatedly like how you hate roguelites so i I honestly did hate roguelites for the roguelikes for the longest time. For for a really long time I hated video games where like I would put effort and time into a game and then die and it's all gone. Yeah. Like for a really long time, that was my least favorite type of game because it just felt very uh bad to lose all that progress. Mm-hmm. And then I discovered Bloodborne. Yeah. Uh-huh. And Bloodborne Still seems like a problem to me. And Bloodborne opened that door for me where I'm now like Hades is probably the best game ever made. See, I can get behind Hades because Hades has like a really good story with all of it yeah. that I vastly enjoy. But um, you got you got to give me something, and Hades does it really well. But like other things, eh. But yeah, in general, games where death permanently sets you back is not something I enjoy. But it's something I've come to like. So yeah. But yeah, no genres as a genres just serve to separate and cause arguments. I think from, from yeah like, for a lot of things. Yeah. Like, I understand why they exist. I understand the point of them, whether it be in books, movies, video games. Well, like, even if they didn't exist, if if we could, like, just erase everybody's concept of genre today... Yeah. we would slowly recreate new versions. Tomorrow, people would recreate genre. Yeah. Because it just becomes a very easy shorthand. Mm-hmm. Like, I can say, as a blanket statement, not really the biggest fan of most horror films. Yeah. Which is true because I think most horror films are schlocky and bad because I think it's very hard to make a good horror movie nowadays. Yes, but I think... in general. In a somewhat contradictory statement, I would say you are a fan of suspense thriller Oh, I love thriller. And I love suspense movies. And I love good horror movies. And like... Yeah. I just think that there's a difference in what makes a good horror movie versus what makes a good rom-com. Oh, no, there definitely is. Like... Like I said, I I get why they exist. They do just kind of annoy me. Especially when media, for some reason, always takes a big point about like, oh, this thing's genre-breaking. And it's just like... You mean it's... What, what, you mean it's it's outside of what you have chosen to strictly define this genre as? But what do you want to bet if I look back, you'll say something else was genre-breaking that, I don't know, is like kind of the same thing as this? Well, I mean, that goes back to 12 Foot Ninja. They're a genre-breaking band. Yeah. They're like... Their Wikipedia literally calls them fusion metal, mm-hmm. which is a genre named after a, a food cuisine. Yeah. Because we reached a point where the genres don't break down far enough to tell you what 12 Foot Ninja sounds like. Yeah. Fusion, of course, being a cuisine where you take two or more types of cultural foods and mix them together. In 12 Foot Ninja's case, that's where you take music like Muzak, like elevator Muzak, mm-hmm. and combine it with rocker metal or like... Well, reggae and salsa and Moroccan metal. Yeah, exactly. So... Yeah, I know. But but I think I'm good on the topic of genres for now. Yeah. but Do watch- you have anything else you can think of that you want to talk about at the moment? I watched some movies. Oh, yeah. How were those? Uh, out of the three of them, I would only recommend one of them. 
Okay, that's about the the general passing rate of movies. I mean, like I would say about maybe one in every three movies I watch. I'm like, ah, that one's good enough for me to be like, someone might watch this. This is not one I'd recommend. It's called Vivarium. I put it on. It sounds my... like a like an indie horror game that I bought on Steam for like two bucks when it was on sale. That's also how I would describe the movie. <laughs> nice it's a mystery thriller film that i put in my list of movies to watch on amazon prime a a long time ago because it it had actors and actresses i liked in it oh that's the one with jesse eisenberg that you wanted that you watched isn't it yeah jesse eisenberg and another imaging pots yeah she did v for vendetta 28 weeks later uh the vampire v for vendetta she plays the young version of uh kira knightley's character oh it's been a while since i've watched v for vendetta continue yeah 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 yeah. but that movie was uh not good it was actively bad it was about the horrors of living in the suburbs i mean it's pretty terrifying but also like not in it was about the horrors of living in the suburbs and having the american dream of a life yeah. But also, instead of like actually making a movie about that, it was about aliens abducting people mm. and forcing them to raise alien children. I get the point of it, and I understand the vibe there, mm-hmm. but like, yeah, it sounds like you probably could have done that better. Also, the movie is very um, heavy-handed with its metaphors. Mm, gotta love a heavy-handed. Jesse Eisenberg character literally spends no time with his family because he's busy digging a hole that is literally his own grave. <laughs> Oh, that's, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's what I would call heavy handed. Yeah. Movie not good. It was only 99 minutes though, so not the worst waste of time I've ever done in my life. Yeah. And then I watched Brian Cranston on Hot Ones. Okay. And I wanted to watch his rom-com why him oh yes the one with um the franco yeah um james franco james James franco Franco. and zoe dutch and i wanted to watch it because he talked about how paul rudd had to convince him to take the role because cranston is one of those people who actually like thoroughly reads the script multiple times before committing to a role makes sense and he read the script for for this movie and was like there's nothing here so he reached out to paul rudd who's done so many so many rom-coms he's like is this normal and rudd was like yeah rom-coms come together via the chemistry of the actors once they actually start filming. So a lot of things that end up in the movie aren't in the script and you kind of build from that. Makes sense to me. And Cranston was like, that sounds really appealing to me. So he did it. Yeah. I was like, oh, cool. That sounds like a lot of fun. I want to see Cranston do a rom-com thing. I can see that, yeah. Everywhere it is, it's it's gated by a paywall. Mm, and I didn't feel like paying to watch stuff. it. Because I have so many like things to watch free movies. Why would I pay to watch a mid based on all the reviews? Yeah, I have seen the movie. I would call it mid. Rom-com. So instead, I fell down a Zoe Dutch hole. Mm-hmm. She's the lead actress in Why Him. She plays Brian Cranston's daughter. Okay, okay. Her most famous role is probably in Zombieland 2. Mm-hmm. We don't remember who she plays. She plays the woman who was trapped in a freezer, right? I think so, yeah. Hit in a freezer to survive? Her name is Madison, yeah. I yeah, think yeah, that's yeah, who yeah. she was. That's probably her most famous role if I had to like pick one. But So I found out I fell down a hole for her movies. Watched a movie called Flower starring her. Okay. Which is... It had a very um, Hard Candy vibe. I know you didn't know what Hard Candy yeah, was. Yeah, I had no idea what Hard Candy was. Hard Candy was a Elliot Page movie from like 2003, 2005. Honestly, aesthetically from the trailer you made me watch, it just feels like the entire inspiration for the like dark plot points of Life is Strange. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. I could see I could see it. I mean, let's face it. Max Caulfield just feels like the type of character Elliot Page would have acted as when they were younger. Yeah, 100%. I could see that. That if Life is Strange had gotten a movie in 2007, mm-hmm. I could I could see Elliot Page playing the starring role. Yeah. 
But Hard Candy is about a woman, a young woman, who hunts down a suspected pedophile. It's Sucker Punch, but in a real world setting. Yes. And Flower seemed to have similar vibes because the main character and her friends basically entrapped older men into having sexual relationships with younger women. Yeah. And then blackmailed them for money. Um, mm. Unlike Hard Candy, there isn't any like actual comeuppance for them. They just lose money. Yeah. Um, okay. And Flower goes off the rails really far in ending in a like pseudo incestuous relationship by the end of the movie a very um what are you doing stepbrothers yeah no i don't that sounds like a bad way to end that movie movie was a solid five like it is the most mid of mid would not recommend flower yeah no i sounds like a bad time which is upsetting because i really like the one of the lead actors in flower as well adam scott i Mm -hmm. love that man oh i do like adam scott the last movie i watched that was another zoe dutch film uh it's a netflix original so actually we are one out of thor uh three films Flower, Vivarium, and another Zoe Dutch film. Oh yeah, you didn't watch Why Him. Sorry, continue. Yeah, um, it's a, it was a Netflix original rom-com starring Zoe Dutch called Set It Up, and it's about um, a Set woman- Set It Up sounds like a Disney Channel movie name. Yes, it does, but it's about two people who work for like, they're directly assistants to like- Fortune 500 CEO type of people. Oh, so it's a Hallmark movie instead. And they set their bosses up so that they can get more free time and then they end up falling mm-hmm. in love while setting their bosses up. It's Parent Trap, but CEOs. Might still just be a Disney movie then, actually. It's very good. It was it was like a solid eight. Out of all these movies I watched while I was sick, this one was the best. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah? Yeah. That's good, I guess. I mean, like, the fact, though, that, like... The only good one is the honestly sounding kind of tired slash bored rom-com story plot. It's also got the best cast, though. Because, yeah. Like, it's Zoe Dutch, Lucy Liu, Tate Diggs, mm. uh, Pete Davidson. It's it's a it's a legit stack yeah. cast. It was but, a like, lot of fun. It just, it just sounds like the most out of all of the themes they're tired. Yeah, 100%. It, it, it feels like a movie that should have existed before 2018. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure it already did, just with slightly different story, probably. Mm-hmm. Anyways, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was one of the topics I actually had. I didn't realize I had a topics. Good job. I'm proud of you. I, I thank you. Mm-hmm. I, I still don't really have any. I mean... I watched Rubber for the second time in my life. I watched the first 15 minutes of Rubber for the first time in my life. Yeah, I watched Rubber for the second time. I really didn't remember much of it because I watched it one night when I had no sleep. Uh huh. And how was that different than normal for you? I was also not interested in watching it at all the first time. Mm, fair enough. Mm-hmm. I will admit the idea of the movie still wasn't super interesting to me this time, but because of the situation that I found myself in watching it this time, it was more entertaining because I could rib it with other people. Whereas before, I was just watching it by myself. It's weird how the difference in watching a movie can change in between watching a movie with people you can talk to while watching it and watching a movie solo. Yeah, because sure, rubber could be read as a giant takedown about how directors or writers as artists are forced to continue or make bad stories because of audiences that are attracted to these very basic storytelling details of violence or sex murder language whatever the matrix four yeah and that even when they feel like grabbing something up themselves the audience will hold them captive and things will go off the rail which way they can't control it and then the audience will throw a fit and the only true way to end something and let it go in the way that the creator wants to is to ignore the audience or to kill the audience basically mm-hmm. and that's why rubber such a weird movie where nothing makes sense and that's the whole point of it right yeah 
because in Rubber, you have the basic story of, hey, this tire is sentient for some reason has telekinetic powers to kill things. Okay. It's the weirdest. Like, I I thought the movie was about a tire that ran over people. No. But apparently, yeah. Okay. Mm. And then we tell it all through a lens of there's this audience that is obviously a stand-in for the actual audience watching this tire roll around and kill things. And the people involved in providing this entertainment for the audience tries to poison them all so they die and they can just end the film, aka the tire rolling around killing shit. But because one guy doesn't die, they have to continue on. They don't know what they're going to do with the story. And as it goes on and things are getting weird, this guy actively steps in to complain to the people involved in the story about how it's not going how he wants it to. Which is obviously a really, really easy read of, man, don't fans kind of suck or the fact that artists can't control the story or tell the story that they want to suck. Well, I mean, this is exactly what happened to Akira Toriyama in Dragon Ball yeah, Z. Yeah, no, don't get me wrong. I completely agree. Sometimes having an audience sucks. But I think, though, like, having an audience can suck. But it can also be really, really good. It's why too. Akira Toriyama couldn't just make Gohan, the, the main character mm-hmm. of the series, like he wanted to. But also, I think what Rubber doesn't criticize, and I, I made the joke about Matrix 4, but the, the Matrix 4 does criticize, is that it's not just the audience dictating what you can make. It's the people behind the yes. producer label. The, the people who want the money from the audience. Yeah, because Matrix 4 is a movie that is metatextually about being forced to create art that you don't yeah. want to create. because. Warner Brothers told the Wachowskis, "Hey, if you don't we own the rights, if you don't come back and make the fourth Matrix movie, we'll get somebody else to make the Matrix movie." Mm-hmm. And they're like, "Well, if it's going to happen, we want to be involved." Yeah. So metatextually, it's very much about being forced to make art that you don't want to yeah. make. Which I Rubber has that vibe, but mm-hmm. doesn't really criticize the higher ups. That yeah, because in like process. obviously, there's good sides and downsides to the audience generally. Yeah, but you don't ever really hear that many good sides about the production pushing something. Because like when your and, audience and, and when you do hear good things about production pushing something it's the production just stayed out of the way and let me do what yeah, i wanted exactly. to do but like when you have an audience sometimes your audience can be frustrating especially for certain things mm-hmm. and the larger your audience you get like the bigger the problems appear obviously right but a lot of them you know, like more independent creations and stuff where there's an audience especially for things it, things that i'm aware of a lot of like actual plays or podcasts and stuff really the audience like loves to like theorize about things right or they're thinking of like this really cool world thing and they'll mention it. And like, yeah, sometimes you're just like, well, that doesn't actually fit with what we're trying to do here. And then other times you're, you you're take just like, it. Oh my God, that's great. Can we use that? And so often, especially in contexts like this, there is that actual conversation of like, is this okay for us to use? Or what were you thinking about this? And you have like a bit of a dialogue back and forth, which is always great to see. Totally unrelated, but entirely related. Mm-hmm. Can I tell you a theory I have about the King Killer Chronicles? Sure. Patrick Rothfuss got to a point where he's written himself into so many corners Mm -hmm. that he can't actually write himself out of in one book. So now he is waiting for the community to solve all the problems. Because if you haven't been on the King Killer Chronicle Reddit, it's literally so many fan theories every day. Nice. I think he's just like quietly waiting on these subreddits for people to solve the problems for him so that he can finish the series. I don't want to agree with that, but like, I'm not going to say you're wrong. He's definitely not writing anything. I think he's probably writing stuff. Do I necessarily believe it's what's going to be in the next book? No, but I do think he is is a person who enjoys telling a story, which is why he does do this. So I think he's definitely writing stuff, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's for the world, because he does have a lot of ideas for the world, but necessarily for the exact continuation of the King Killer Chronicles? Yeah, I don't know about that part. I have to counter you and say I don't think he's writing anything, because it's been over a year since we were promised one chapter from the book as a fundraising goal for charity. Yeah. And it's been 10 months since we were promised a blog update on the chapter 
for the charity. We haven't even received the blog that was supposed to tell us about how the chapter was coming. Yeah. I don't think he's writing anything at all, ever. I don't know, man. Except tweets. I legit have no idea. I'm not going to get on the Patrick Rothfuss train. I would prefer if we didn't. But yeah, sometimes artists rely on the audience to help steer their creation. Mm -hmm. And other times, the audience is literally the worst thing that could ever happen to you. Yeah, it's crazy. I assume you also probably see quite a bit of that in wrestling. Like, obviously, you enjoy it. I don't keep up with it. But like, there's definitely a lot of things that probably I would assume the the fan base adds to something. So that may not necessarily show up in it. But like, I feel like probably occasionally does. So I think the best example of this, I think this was WrestleMania 30, Mm -hmm. the build up to WrestleMania. 30 the most over wrestler in the history of the 21st century was brian danielson okay daniel bryan sorry at the time yeah we the, the wrestling audience expected him to win wrestlemania expected him to go on like no, expected him to win the royal rumble and headline wrestlemania but instead batista won. the crowd almost rioted yeah like I was about to say, that sounds like a bad um, timing so it was this thing called the yes movement that like technically the yes movement started as a gimmick okay for daniel bryan hit the mm-hmm. yes chance okay yeah, i know what you're talking about but it grew out so far out of that that people were threatening to boycott going to WrestleMania Fucking if he crazy. wasn't main eventing. Yeah. It got so big that WWE had to change their plans and make him one of the headlining acts because they were going to be losing money mm-hmm. because they weren't doing what the fans wanted. Okay. So there may or may not be either of those examples. Cause like, Oh, it's fans dictating the story. But yeah. Like, but like, it could be both a good or a bad thing. Oh, it's a I great would- thing. I would assume it's great because, uh, let's face it, to be regionally bad storytelling, but like also it's a bad thing if you already have a current storyline. Like there well, are they didn't have a delineating current, lines there. They didn't have a current storyline. What they had was they were getting Batista back mm-hmm. because he had retired. He had He'd made doing, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, he'd been doing Marvel stuff. So they were getting him back to get a pop. Yeah. And they were doing the legacy versus legacy, Batista versus Triple H at WrestleMania, and like building that up as big as they could. Yeah. So they were throwing actual talent that people cared about under the bus because hey who cares we have these big names that everybody knows the exact thing we feared was going to happen this year at rumble because there was all these talks about the rock coming back yeah and there's a whole storyline going on about the bloodline which is about the anawai family which the rock is a part of he's related part of but not related yeah 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 he's a blood he's wrestling related he's bound to the anawai family through a blood bond not like blood relations but okay one of them saved him from a imperial prison encampment and now he owes them a life debt and even when they die that life debt's going to be passed on to their children he never gets to go back home to kashik from what i understand Samoan culture actually has like a concept of blood family where you like yeah yeah make a blood pact with somebody and now they are your family quote unquote mm-hmm. and so he created he had a blood pact with an anawai family member and so he's a quote unquote anawai family yeah but the bloodline themselves are actually all legit anawai family members it's roman reigns jay and jimmy uso and solo sokoa mm-hmm. um, none of those are their real names so crazy that wwe wouldn't use their real names yeah but like the anawai family goes back forever the wild samoans umaga taka like all these people mm-hmm. famous wrestlers also remember the same family but there's this whole like roman reigns is the head of the family storyline that wwe is doing yeah and there's been these teases that the rock is like the actual head of the family in the shadows and like he, he there's a there's a story that's being teased of the rock versus roman reigns at some point See, that doesn't work, though, because Reigns is apparently over. And we know by the way The Rock has done things that The Rock can't be the bad guy. Exactly. He has this, Hogan syndrome now. This storyline would be The Rock being the bad guy. And Which he can't do. It's why Black Adam was a bad movie. Yes. 
And there was a lot of talk of him showing up at Royal Rumble and winning Royal Rumble to go on to face Roman at yeah. WrestleMania because the winner of the Royal Rumble gets a WrestleMania shot against the champion. Okay. The only champion right now is Reigns. He has both world title belts. But the fans have wanted Cody Rhodes to win the Royal Rumble for 2023 since he was injured back in the summer of 2022. Okay. So if Cody Rhodes had not won... And it was anybody other than Sami Zayn, who currently has a massive fan back- mm-hmm. backing as well. There would have been a huge backlash from fans. Exactly. Yeah. But The Rock has basically said that he doesn't want anything to do with WWE right now with Vince McMahon and all that, which, can you blame him? No, no, I really can't. But yeah, fans have a massive influence on stories. Um, I think in WWE, it's more like, at this point, fans don't trust the, the Federation, the WWE, to put on a story that actually has a good resolution. I don't blame them. Whereas in AEW, if a decision is made that the fans are like, eh, I don't know about that. Most of the fan base for AEW is willing to stop and be like- They'll let them them cook. We'll be like, we'll we'll see where they're going with this. Let them cook. Right now, I am- thoroughly upset that the acclaimed lost the world tag team titles yeah but i assume the direction we're going is ftr getting the world tag team titles and they just didn't want to put face ftr against face acclaimed and make the fans pick because the worst thing you could do is art is falsely turn a, a one of these tag teams hill yeah when they're both so over as baby faces makes sense yeah so have the guns as hills cheat to win. Have FTR take the belts off the, the the guns. Bada bing, bada boom. You move the titles without turning anybody heel. Yeah, it works. But yeah, there, there's definitely a lot of like fan. And I, I think in, in wrestling, sometimes the fan pushes are harder to see. Yeah, I would think so because... It's kind of just a, everyone is kind of constantly pushing for their favorite wrestler, basically. Also, because it is, the the there's still kayfabe yeah. to a certain extent. So sometimes when fans are pushing for something to go a certain direction. You literally can't the, have it go that way. So you can't tell if that's been the plan the entire time or if the actual fan push has shifted the storyline in any way. Yeah, because the alignment of the story is apparently in alignment with the fans. But because it's an ongoing story where they are trying to hide as much. Well, also because sometimes. they're working as much as possible, basically. Well, and also because sometimes as part of booking a wrestling show, you want to like rile the fans up. So you yeah. push in a direction you know they don't want, knowing that you're actually going to end up in a. You're going to swerve. Yeah. So knowing that you're trying to build heat changes how the story is told sometimes. And it's hard to tell if that's fans or if that's just a good booker. Yeah, but there's obviously, as you're saying here, an acknowledgement that, yeah, fans obviously do affect it. Yes. Whether it be for the negative or the positive at times, they do have a very big say in it. Yeah. And obviously, on a larger macro scale in wrestling... Yep. Fans have so much power to shape the story because if the person a wrestling company wants to be the face of the company or wants to be a world champion can't like get the fans alongside them either as a heel or a baby face. Yeah. A proper booker will drop that and try to push somebody else instead. I say a proper booker because we had 10 years of Roman Reigns before Roman Reigns was successful. Yeah. I'm exaggerating. It was probably like five years, but there was a time when Roman Reigns was main, was the main event in WrestleMania every year. And wrestling fans wanted nothing to do with Roman Reigns. Understandable. I mean, they were pushing a story that they didn't care about, so... Yeah. Why would they want to interact with it? Exactly. That's exactly the thing. Sorry, I know you just handed me the ball with wrestling and I went way too far, right, way too fast on it. Wrestling is probably one of my favorite art forms, honest to God. It's like improv in a very regimented form where I don't care about the improv suggestions being made. I can appreciate that the improv is done well, but no one's making a good suggestion. I think wrestling is really enjoyable from both an athletic standpoint, but also as one of the only like living and nationally televised theater performances out there. Yeah. Because theater is 
such a upper scale thing like that's the way it's portrayed but like mm-hmm. theater is really a, a community thing but if you don't have the community around a theater in your in your community you can't actually experience that but wrestling is that same type of storytelling with improv yeah kind of it's also like the last remnants of like traveling circuses on a national level on a, yeah. on a world level yeah like, you still have circuses but they're not the same type of circuses thank god they aren't the same type of circuses as they were a hundred years ago yeah but i mean like that's really the same with wrestling like the vestiges of it are there but it's very very far from roofed which is a good thing but i mean like using that as a way to call it back to it i i feel like it's the same stretch to be like the same as like what we currently have for sort of performance where it's like yeah i mean technically both have the same root but like it's so far removed from the root that i don't think that part of it matters i just that part of the history of it really intrigues me like i'm not gonna lie to you and tell you that i only watch wrestling because i love the theatrics of it i love like how it, the story is told i love wrestling as wrestling i love it for what it is all the stupid shit in it as much as i love it for the fact that it's still like the most theatrical thing we have on national tv yeah see you do that for my improv i mainly just listen to actual plays i enjoy and then when i want to watch people do good stunt work i'll go watch a wuxia film of some sort see i think the difference here though is you have to like imbibe two different things whereas i get all mine in one yeah i get more enjoyable content that I don't waste as much time on as you do for yours. So like, ugh. Okay, so while we're on wrestling, this week on Dynamite, which is one of AEW's flagship shows, Michael Maxwell Jacob Friedman, MJF, yeah, world champion, one of my favorite wrestlers, yeah, had a promo, uh huh, and it was a promo meant to like make him look like a a, a worse human individual, uh huh, and it was about how he'll always given the opportunity. Do whatever it takes to come out on top. Yeah. And this promo involved a, t- a young teenage MJF. Yep. Getting roadhead from a girlfriend. Uh-huh. But he'd been in trouble for speeding too much. Uh-huh. And he was like a point away from getting his license revoked. Yep. They crashed because the road was wet. And he took her unconscious body, put her in the driver's seat, and jumped into the passenger seat. Yep. I only tell you that story in that regards because there's also this kayfabeness this idea that what happens in wrestling is real Mm -hmm. that is still present today even though we're in the year 2023 and kayfabe is basically dead i'm aware the police department for long island Mm -hmm. received hundreds of phone calls reporting mjf for that crime even though it was a promo for a wrestling show yeah see that that doesn't mean anything about the performance to me that speaks to a fan base that i cannot get behind um for some things like that that is like i heard the story and obviously was like oh yeah this is obviously it yeah see my brain goes man that's dumb it's um, also a reference to a song like dumb, yeah like i can't remember what song off the top of my head but i like see like that doesn't that doesn't do anything for me i don't care about your kayfabe in fact it actively annoys me at points i'm aware that you have issues with kayfabe i don't like it i think it's unnecessary and a waste yeah yes and no I think a, a lot of kayfabe. Look, when the other, when the only other people really that care about kayfabe are shitty magicians and con men, I don't think you're in good company when kayfabe is one of your big selling points. I think most wrestlers don't like drive kayfabe as much. Yeah, no, they definitely don't do it as much nowadays. But my point is, like, I don't see it as a big selling point. My brain just goes, okay, cool. MJF fully embraces kayfabe, like to such an extent that in public he's he's he acts like a dick to fans. Yeah, yeah. Because he's a hill. Mm-hmm. But I think that's part of what makes MJF as a character special is this like em- embracing of kayfabe in a modern day world where kayfabe is dead for the most part. Like Chris Jericho's a hill, but he doesn't treat fans 
when I say treat fans like shit, I don't mean like Hills treated fans like shit in the 80s. Because yeah. Hills in the 80s, keep it to keep kayfabe alive, legitimately treated people like shit. Like, mm-hmm. MJF will just call you, like, a stupid mark and walk away. Yeah. Like, there's a difference between how MJF treats fans shitty and how, like, wrestlers... No, I think there's a definitely an upside to, I don't know, being a hill with kayfabe at that point, because you have an... It gives you a very good excuse to cut off interactions you don't want to be in, obviously. That's beautiful, though. Like, Yeah, but I mean, like, also, fuck it, do that anyways. I fully support any celebrity, no matter what their station is, to be like, fuck you, I don't want to deal with you right now, and leaving, because hell yeah. There's this video currently circulating on TikTok and Twitter in the wrestling sphere. Mm -hmm. Rey Mysterio is at an airport, Yeah, and these... Fans, heavy quotation marks, yeah. walk up and ask for an autograph. He signs one of their things, thanks them, and then goes to walk away. Mm-hmm. And they have like 30 more things they want him to sign. Because, like I said, heavy quotation marks, they're not fans. They just want stuff to sell, yeah. Yeah. And like, he walks away and like puts his hand up and like they start filming him so he covers his face because he's not in mask. Yeah. And like the the TikTok and like stuff is from their perspective, so they're doing their best to make it look like Rey Mysterio is being a dick and mm-hmm. wouldn't sign things for a fan. But like you're, but like you're right. He he has every right to be like, yeah, no, fuck you guys. Like I thought you were fans. And I would argue that kayfabe there is in the situation for a face a lot more detrimental than it is for a hill, obviously, because they are almost by the idea of it more obligated to do those things. Mm, yeah, and thus kayfabe can be restricting on both things. Now, obviously, there's there's a difference with celebrity there as well, where you are societally obligated because of the pressures of what you should be doing. But See, my point is, I think kayfabe only serves to exacerbate already large issues with fame. I thought you said as a face there, and I thought you were talking about like the fact that he wasn't wearing a mask. No, 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 no. no. And they're like, it makes a bigger issue. No, like, me using your terminology. Yeah. No, but like the fact that he wasn't wearing a mask is also an issue. Yeah. Uh, it's less of an issue for Rey Mysterio, I because think. He's because he's multiple times revealed his face. But yes, and in the Luchas. sense of Lucha's sense, yeah, no, it would be extremely detrimental for him. Yeah, because if he hadn't had demasked at some point in, in mm-hmm. the past and his his face got leaked and people associated this character with that person, yes. he would have to restart his entire lucha career essentially yeah which is um, another thing like kayfabe goes a bit too far i think i'm more okay with kayfabe as a lucha thing strictly because the mask does allow you to separate that so much easier to where the kayfabe kind of ends at the ring it ends at the performance yeah and lucha's lucha with their kayfabe allows for generational characters yes um like which is why i appreciate it there more because you are telling a generational story you are doing this it is literally you have built this as a stage of the performance specifically as that and it doesn't feel much like a kayfabe really then because it's not about preserving this identity outside like, of it i think there's been three el panteras at this point yeah it's got like people like to compare wrestling to like anime like redneck anime is one of the like, yeah or superhero comics and like lucha is truly the embrace yeah the, the embracing of that because in lucha it really is oh we've had a flash before but this new flash is still that character mm-hmm. it's just a new person yeah being that character i don't know i love wrestling in a lot of ways including like the lucha aspects and in rest japan's whole uh you can't be a main you can't be a main star until you've traveled the world like but no see that one i can i can I, again it's not really so much a cave i think it's a it's a weird tradition but i think it's neat i'm just saying i don't like cave yeah i get you it's outdated and unneeded <sighs> yes i I want to agree with you. Like, not like my my brain is being like, yeah, kayfabe is stupid. We all know Undertaker is not a like literal zombie. Mm-hmm. But on the other side, my brain is like, yes, but Abaddon is legitimately a zombie. Eh. I'm sorry. Like, I think. How should I put this? Wrestling has such a wrestling is fake mm-hmm. uh, stigma to it. Yeah. That when they push stuff and let you like 
for a little bit just believe stupid shit it's fun yeah like the idea that jungle boy was actually a child that was lost in the jungle and raised by a dinosaur complete bullshit the idea that this man in a dinosaur mask is not a human but an actual dinosaur complete bullshit but it was so much fun in the moment it's so stupid and yeah, so but it's, fun. it's still the exact same suspension of disbelief they're asking for it's just asking you to expand it outside of it for no necessary reason Yes and no. Like, kayfabe should extend to, like, meet and greets and stuff. Yes, no. To, like, set up media um, interactions makes complete sense when you are basically paying your performer to be said character. Yes. But if you meet Jack Perry and he's wearing jeans and a t-shirt, like... Yeah. If I meet him out in the wild and I'm like... Well, why aren't you dressed as a jungle boy? No, kayfabe doesn't need to go that far. And you, what I'm saying is there are definitely people that do that. Yeah. But if it's a media interaction or whatever, no, it's perfectly fine. You are portraying a character. I get that you are basically fucking medieval times actors or you're fucking owned by Disney. So you have to be this fucking character whenever you act actor with someone. So I assume if I ask you where a fucking toilet is and you're a hill, you're going to spit in my face and tell me I'm a piece of shit. I should already know. Which is feels very like something that would have happened in the 70s or 80s. Like, yeah. You would have walked up to a, a wrestler at an event and been like, hey, dude, I got I really got to use the bathroom. Where is it? You don't know he's a hill. And he turns around and he goes, the fuck you asking for, you piece of shit? You should already know where to get flushed. Yeah. Some shit like, like that. Like, yeah, no. no my, my point is, like, there are obvious degrees to where it goes too far. And honestly, think think about it. Disney World actors constantly have to perform in kayfabe. And it's horrible because of it. When they're on the clock. Yeah. Uh, but they don't have to do it after, outside of it. I'm saying, think about if they had to do it outside and how much worse it would be then, too. Yeah. Uh, I'm saying kayfabe is unnecessary to degrees. So here's where I agree. Kayfabe should not be enforced by the promotion or company yeah. outside of working hours. Mm-hmm. If an actor, which is what, what these characters... Yeah, no, if they want to do it outside of it, that's fine. I'm saying I don't think it's necessary. Like, which is why I think MJF is, ver- is a very special thing. Yeah, I guess. Because he does all his interviews in kayfabe. He, like, has... Like he has this idea of MJF as the as the character mm-hmm. that he keeps on ninety five percent. Yeah, of the time. no, that, that's completely fine. Like I was saying. But I was just saying, like, I don't think kayfabe is necessary. I think it's, I think personally, I think kayfabe is overhyped as a selling point by wrestling fans. Fair enough. Like I said, I think we're both we're ma- we're mostly in agreement here that outside of like events associated with the franchise they should be free to be themselves yeah because part of like the thing with wrestling that is different than every other art form is that for a lot of these people outside of wwe their name in real life is also their name for their character yeah so like maxwell jacob friedman is maxwell jacob friedman's real name so at some point when he wants to separate who he is from this wrestling character he's gonna have a harder like making that distinction yeah but look like Here's a weird example that I'm going to throw out there. I think in either situation, it's weird, even if you have a wrestler who goes by the same and everything, and they're acting kayfabe out that side. And also, if I had ran into, like, Andy Griffith when he was on the Andy Griffith show, and he's just acting like he's fucking Sheriff of Maybear, I'm going to be like, that's weird, man. I know you're an actor. You're, like, come on, bro. You're, you're from fucking Mayberry? No. Like, there's a, kayfabe is accepted in wrestling because it's been there. But do you think about an actor who does any long-term show? If they were acting like their character outside of it, you'd be like, that's just fucking weird, man. Why? No, actually, I think we just call that... um Method acting? We just call that method to acting. To which so many times people are like, man, method acting's weird. Why do people do that? It's odd. Like, that's weird. And even then, for most method acting things, when we talk about it, it's like for a movie, we don't talk about someone method acting their entire fucking career as one specific person. Man, I just... 
I, I love the idea of like specifically a character like Kane or the Undertaker, like carrying kayfabe as far as MJF does. He's like, could you imagine Kane running Knox County? Yeah, he would show up in a burst of fire, point at someone menacingly. All of the light would go out, even though it's like fucking noon and it's an outside rally. <laughs> And when it came back up, his opposition would be gone. Flames would shoot back up and he'd walk out. If you're lucky, you might get like the weird robotic voice he did in the tiny bit. Uh, and honestly, like Kane as a mayor would would have been would from a political perspective be so much better for Knox County, Tennessee. Like, I don't what, know. They would have a lot of missing persons. Yeah, but on the flip side, what's the like most that he's gonna do policy wise make it illegal to put out fire yeah and set things on fire and he'd just be setting things on fire fair enough actually that's terrible you're there yeah th- like it would just burn it would just but burn to the ground if they were keeping kayfabe kane would be like letting things burn down and then suddenly the lights would go out lightning would f- strike and his brother who burned down his family's house when he was a kid and framed him for the murder of his yeah. parents would show up and like lightning would shoot from his eyes yeah it'd be weird man i just yeah, I know, but my point is like, Kayfabe is really weird in all contexts except for when it's wrestling because it's just been so long as a part of it. Yeah, and I think Kayfabe is really toxic. Oh, too. and like I said, and magicians because they're weird too. I think Kayfabe can also be really toxic when a character like kind of loses who they are with the character. Yeah. Like in the case of Vince McMahon, where like his <laughs> uh, character was he was a piece of shit and he sexually abused people and he no, was just used his bike. money to be to, to buy himself out of situations. I'm sorry, you're describing rich people. But like he believed that character so much that that's who he became outside of wrestling. Nah, that's who he always was. If you say so, I think he was just sticking to Kayfabe. I get that that's a joke. I do. But like, there has to be at least some dumbass out there who will just pardon some shitty things people do. Not necessarily as shitty as Vince is dumb, but like, just like being a shitty person to be like, oh, that's kayfabe. I mean, probably, but like, on the flip side, you don't even need kayfabe to do that. People pardon like the shit that. Yeah. I was going to say Trump does, but like, they don't want to get into Trump. Like, you don't need kayfabe for people to like make excuses for why Tillian is still a good vocalist like people are going to make those excuses to justify what they do people are going to excuse supporting the hate for an entire community so that they can play a stupid wizard game even yeah. though like you even don't need kayfabe true i i guess my point is just like it just adds another ex- layer for bullshit excuses but that's not really the big problem like i said I, there's just i don't think it's necessary and i find it honestly a tad annoying but i don't have a major problem with it overall it's just not for me yeah fair enough so our topics for this time were what? Genre and kayfabe? That, that's kind of just it? Yeah, pretty much. Gross. Well, I, I mean, I, I could give an update on no. wh- how I'm doing in One Piece. I mean, sure, if you want to. I haven't watched Real another quick. episode. You haven't watched another episode? Not a single one? No, I'm terrible that, at this. That thing that I told you would happen? And you're like, no, I'll definitely watch more. I will finish the series before the end of the year. Mm-hmm. What about the uh, the other ones? I will finish Bleach and One Piece before the end of the year. What about Naruto? Not going to happen? You already given up on that, bud? I'm not giving up on it, but like my caring about Naruto is so much lower than my caring about yep, Bleach and One yep. Piece. Question, how's uh, how's that Doctor Who watching going for you, too? I'm going, it's going great. I've only taken two months off. I just needed time to like mm-hmm. slow down on the Who. Yeah. Focus on the One Piece. Yeah. Look, I'm terrible at binging shows, mostly because I get sick of shows. Look, man, I just told you neither of those things were going to happen, and I'm just being proven, right? That's all that matters. Look, the only one that I actually made a promise to do was One Piece, and I will. And I guess I'll get back to Lost at some point, too, but I Lost is terrible. Why do people like that show? Season 2 is garbage. You're not wrong. It is garbage, but... 
hey man, you're the one who was like, I'm gonna watch all of these shows. Lost is only four seasons, right? Four or five, some shit like that. Anyways, though, I'm pretty sure that's it for this in the six. It's six seasons. Cool. Either way, I'm pretty sure that's it for this uh, in in the cockpit. So I got nothing else. I don't think you do. We have a decent amount of time under our belt for this. Yeah. So all the linky stuff that we normally do here at the end. If you want to email us, you can do that at copilotsreview at gmail.com. You could tweet us or hit us up on Hive at copilotsreview. Or you can find those both and our Discord link and our YouTube and our Patreon by going to copilotinterview.symbolcast.com and finding all of those conveniently there. Yeah, and we'll see you on the next flight where we're once again delving into the idea of reboots or origin stories. Sorry, origin stories. Stuff. Where we dive into the idea of stuff. Kayfabe. No.